0: In this message this morning, I, I, I feel like there's something that, I, that needs to be really, like if you can, if you can just like uh, picture yourself, I want you to do this this morning because it's going to require this to, to hear and receive and really get all that God wants you to get this morning from the Holy Spirit. You have to picture yourself completely and wholeheartedly without any, any reservation planting yourself in the truth of God's word. Because if you don't do that, if that doesn't take place in your very heart, soul, and mind, there'll be nice words and good words and good words that we could see and we could say, Well, that's really neat that Jesus said that. Or they could say, Oh, that's a little bit like convicting or 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 offensive that he said that. But when we plant ourselves in the words of Jesus and in the Word of God, we that that that's a place of complete reception. I mean, I'm talking about reception to where everything gets out of the way that is in the way and we receive completely and fully all that God has for us. But it requires that. It really requires that. And I still distinctly remember the moment and the day that I, when I gave my life to Jesus as a teenager... And, and, and I came to this, this conclusion, and I think some of you can relate to this. You might not remember the actual, actual distinct moment in time, but maybe it's developed. Maybe you've, maybe you've come to this place in, your, in, in, a, in a walk, in a gradual walk, and that's okay too. But I distinctly remember, for me, I said, the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, Father God, said, implanted, imparted within me this absolute, 100%, unadulterated, undoubting, actually, how do I say it? There was nothing in me that doubted the Word of God. Everything in me, and and that was by the Spirit of God. He did that, because I didn't come up with that on my own. I didn't come up with that like to say, wow, I'm just going to believe. If we think that we came up with this, I believe on my own, then you're fooling yourself. But it's by the Holy Spirit that He said, and he just he imparted. There was an impartation of God's word is true. 100% the truth. Not a truth. The truth that cannot be mistaken. That cannot be twisted. That cannot be, cannot be uh, changed, altered. Even man's attempts of all these translations that we come across and we run into that seem to be a little bit confusing. It's God's word. When it, when, and then I discovered this awesome truth in the midst of that truth that every translation that is inspired by the Holy Spirit spoke a little bit differently, but yet still spoke the absolute truth of God. And and, and I was able to, and I still am able to, and that's why I encourage every one of you as brothers and sisters that say yes to Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to give that to you. And, And go all out. Read every translation, listen to every translation. Oh my gosh, it's so simple these days. Right, Carson? To just <laughs> listen to the word of God every single day. To 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 you know, we got these devices that we could listen to, watch, and and, and download anything and everything at, at a at a push of a button. God's word is like at that is that close. all right let's go into it (laughs) amen hallelujah thank you jesus and and that's such a a fantastic point illustration he he gives us this picture of an armor the armor of god and he gives us all these 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 pieces to put on and he says to put it on but he that that last piece he says is the sword of the spirit but what what is holding it all up what is holding it yeah we have this these little leather belts that hold our pants up which is a good thing but the belt of truth that he's referring to in the armor, it holds all the armor on. It, 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 it keeps it all on. It holds it all together and keeps it all on. And without that, those pieces of armor, they will falter. They will fall off. They will, they, they will, they will wane. So that's why it's so imperative as a believer if there's anything. If, in fact, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear that. <laughs> Luke chapter thirteen, Luke chapter thirteen. Let's go into it because this is a good. And, and I actually titled this message, and David, and this, I titled this for you. Is this one? It's the best. That one of the best movie lines on the planet I've ever run across. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in. The water is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I actually. I, I made I made my my future son in law watch it and he got so excited like that was a really good movie, maybe not so excited, but Robin was rolling her eyes and and my daughter Mackenzie was like come on let's watch it and I watch it every every time the kids are home from college we'd watch the movie that I make them watch. Oh brother, where art thou? If you've never watched it, you must. It's a must see. Come on in. The water is fine. Uh, All my sins are forgiven. I've been redeemed, says the preacher. Even that Piggly Wiggly I knocked off is, I'm forgiven of that too. Oh my gosh. Oh, jeez. Yeah, praise the Lord. Okay, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. That's how. It's, it, you know that's how I'm going to get through a wedding. I'm going to just tell a bunch of stupid jokes that mean nothing. I know. Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 23, New, New Living Translation. Every, every uh, reference I'm going to use this morning is out of the New Living Translation. It says, someone asked Jesus, asked him, Lord... And this is, I think, a good question. It's like, will there only be a few that are saved? Will only a few be saved? And he replied... And this is an interesting reply that I think that uh, we would, might not think is in the Bible, but it is. Jesus said these words, work hard. <laughs> work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try to enter, but will fail. And when the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. For there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets of the kingdom of God but you will be thrown out. And the people will come from all over the world, from east and west, north and south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, wow, and what in the world is going on here? What happened to John three sixteen? 16? Hmm. So let's talk about this. There's, a, there's about... There's about six or seven that I could like think of at the top of my head. I wrote down a few of them, went into the scripture that that Jesus actually uses this reference, uses a reference about entering into the kingdom of heaven, entering into the kingdom of God. And, and it, in, in some of these places, he says it's it's a, here's what you don't do so that you can enter. In other words, don't do this so that you will enter or do this so that you will enter into the kingdom of God. Um, so that's that's going to be a little bit of the subject that matter this morning about this 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 idea that jesus is is coming on the scene he's coming on the scene as as a of course savior we know this from history and we know this from our scriptures and we know this from what has happened and and he's talking about entering into this kingdom that they're looking for a kingdom to come that's going to ...going to free them from all the government rule at the time. So he's, he's bringing something totally different. He's saying, work hard to enter into this kingdom. And yet at the same time, we know that Jesus also said... ...so many different places that, that it's not your works. It's not anything that you do. But it's by the grace of God that you are saved. So that anything that you do, you can't boast about, brag about... ...and say, look what I did. In other words, we just say, look what Jesus did... So this work hard to look what Jesus did is an actual work hard on our part. We've got to stay the course, stay narrow on the narrow way of, of doing what Jesus said to do, which is just simply trust him. And it's such a cool, cool concept, I think, because he's actually going into this, and he does this in many different places. So let me, let me uh, uh, bring up a few of them. Um, so follow with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21, he says this. He says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who, listen, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So what's this, what's this in reference to? He's he's actually, this is in the middle of or towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And you guys have read it multiple times, I'm sure. And in this in this place he 's he's, he's encouraging those that are listening with ears to this awesome sermon, the best sermon ever, which I love that 's how if you guys have watched the chosen. has anybody watched all the way through to to what, how much they've made in other words, season two okay, all the way to the end okay i won 't tell you that, how it ends but but because we 're going into more seasons but He's basically this preparation for the sermon of all sermons, the greatest sermon who have ever been preached. And, and this is in the midst of this greatest sermon that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's fantastic. And this is a place where he's encouraging all that are listening to not just be listeners, to don't just listen to what I'm saying, but actually do what I am encouraging you to do. Do all that I'm saying to do. And that's why he says it's You can sit here and listen, and you can think about it and talk about it, but unless you're doing the will of the Father, you will not enter in. Boy, it seems as though he's getting a little bit exclusive, doesn't he? The all-inclusive John 3, 316, For God so loved the world that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life seems to be narrowing down to something a little bit different, doesn't it? Does it to you? Yes and No. Actually, 100% no and 100% yes. Uh, it's the paradox of scriptures that we seem to run into on a regular basis. Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But work hard to get into that rest. Did you hear that? He says that at one point. Work very hard to enter the rest. Oh. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to do any of this, except says, do what we're gonna get to at the towards the end, which is I think is pretty awesome. Which I, forgive me if I uh, the texts I send out on Saturday. I think I missed some people this weekend, and I do apologize. I it, it, anyway, I just apologize if I missed you because I. I as I look back, I'm like, oh. And then it was already this morning, so talking about me and children. Again, let's go into these different places that Jesus talks about, the entering in of the kingdom. Interesting subject, isn't it? I think it's pretty fantastic because it's like, well, wait. What do we, how do we get into the kingdom? And what is the kingdom? We'll get there. Then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth is it is very hard For a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, what? Of course, we know that this is the discourse, this is a conversation that he has with a, a, a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, Hey, what do I have to do to get in? He says, Obey all the commandments. You know them. And he says, Yes, I've done that. I've done that since I was a child. And that was something Jesus didn't even question him on. He said, well, then go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he went away very sad because he couldn't give everything he had to, he just couldn't get rid of it. He couldn't give it up. And that's when Jesus says this. I tell you, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And of course, his disciples got a little confused and like, well, 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 if they can't, then who can? I, I I mean, this was a good person. A really, 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 really good person. Even you, Jesus, saw that he was a good person. He did well. If if he if he did everything that the law commanded, I mean he was an honorable person. He honored his mother and father. He didn't ever even take the Lord's name in vain. He didn't ever do any of these things. He didn't steal. He didn't kill. He didn't lie. He didn't need to covet because he was rich. So, so all these things, and, and he's saying, and now you're saying that doesn't matter. It's hard for rich people to get in. And he talks about, and and, and again, this is these are some of these things you might have. I know you've heard me speak of them. He says, but then it's harder for a camel to go through. It is harder for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. And you know, as a as a young person reading the Bible, I'm thinking that's weird. I don't even understand that. I mean an eye of a needle? Like that's odd. It's like what the like he's describing this impossibility, but it's not really an impossibility. It the eye of the needle, and you guys heard me teach on this, is the actual it's the gate to the city gate that actually is a is a small man gate that when they close the big large opening gates, they then they have this this eye, this small man gate. It's like the side door to the to the walls when the big gates closed. And the only way to get in when the big gates is co- closed, it's called the eye of the needle, is to go through this eye of the needle. Well, it's barely enough for a man to just walk through. And, and we all know that Jewish men were little men, so it's like even littler, you know, like this. So, so here's what's, to get to this eye of the needle, the camel, the camel who was the burden bearer, who, who carried all of the belongings of the camel owner, Carried everything that that man owned. A camel carries everything that that man owned. Do you hear this? And for, in order for that camel to get through this eye of the needle, he, all of the baggage had to be removed and tossed to the side. And the camel actually had to walk through on its knees. That's how you would lead the camel through the eye of the needle is on its knees with no baggage whatsoever. Now that's not impossible. Now that sounds like it's not impossible. That's actually very doable, but at a great cost. The great cost is I got to leave all of the stuff behind. Can't take it with me. Can't take it with me. And the very thing that is there to carry my stuff is now just a lowly animal coming through. And that's what he's saying, that that in order to enter into this kingdom of heaven that he's he's bringing into play is that we must give up everything. We must surrender it all. And this is a good point. If I can, if I'd like to, I'd like to highlight a brother of mine who understood this very clearly. He's now with Jesus. He's been with Jesus for a week now. And he's somebody that I saw on a regular basis, that had plenty, that had plenty, was never in want that I knew him. All the years that I knew him, he was not in want. But he understood something that was deeper than, than a lot of us understood. He said, that, and he's told me this so many times, he said, I can't take any of this with me. He said, I, I enjoy this stuff, but I know it's not coming with me. None of it's coming with me. So, the only move is to lay up for myself treasures in heaven because that's where it's going to be. So, he would come to me on a regular basis. He was, I'm going to say this. He was, and I think that the Lord gave him to me, to this body of believers, to this church. And I'm going to share this as a personal thing. He was my go to guy. When there was a need in this church, In this body of financial need, I could go to him at any time. There was never a time that I couldn't go to him and he wouldn't say no. He never said no. And I honored that and I respected that and I didn't use it and I didn't manipulate it and I didn't take advantage of it because I believed that it was a God thing and he trusted that when there was a financial need there was that if i came to him it was a real need because he always would say it's like it doesn't matter it's just stuff it's just stuff it's just money and it, it, it can be made at any given time people are more important and that was his perspective and that was his that's that's how he lived his life as far as as long as i knew him To me, that was such a great example of living a life, laying up for himself treasures in heaven. He didn't sell everything he had and give it, but he didn't keep anything if God told him to. Didn't keep any of it. And, and there was, I'm not saying he didn't have his struggles with it. Anybody seen his race car? This is an awesome race car. You haven't seen it? It's a 57 Chevy that has 1,100 horsepower. Dude, that thing is awesome. And he loved playing with it. But even that, he said, what's that? It's just a toy. It doesn't really matter. I don't know what's going to happen to it, but we'll let the Lord figure that out. Pray for Sue as she deals with all this stuff. Give her wisdom. But I think we're getting to something, if you see where we're getting to, is there's this, this concept that Jesus is bringing to light in the midst of teaching, in the midst of being in, the, uh, in our midst for the three years that he was, that for us to understand the reality of the kingdom of heaven, it may not be all that you think, it may not be everything that you might have thought it would be, this, this life, heaven and the life after so he's wanting us to get things right. He's wanting us to live things right, so that as we live things right, we live them right here, and we take them on into eternity. In Matthew chapter five, verse twenty, says this. This is an interesting. Also, this is in the midst of the sermon on the mount. It Says, "But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the, is better than, and some translations say exceeds that." Better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this really threw them for a loop. Because in the midst of this, we have the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, that they were they were presented to the public, if you will, at the time as being the, the creme de la creme of God's chosen people. That if anybody was right with God, it was these people. And, and, and these people they, they let everybody know. That if anybody's right with God, it's us. And so, and Jesus comes on the scene and he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that, which these people live rigid, religiously and rigorously unto the Lord. I mean, they, they were so committed to God that they looked down on everybody because they, they felt and they believed because they actually believed it. That they were at this upper echelon level of closeness to God. Like, you know, like, like way up here. Like they're up here and just looking down on everybody. Because I'm up here close to God and you're not. And, and, and all the people knew it. They knew it. They felt it. They felt that, that oppressing religious... Uh, um, Even even condemnation that you were a lesser than, lower than person. And Jesus comes on and says, unless you are better than that, what did that do? Like, like how do we even, we can't even measure up to that. And now you're telling us we got to be better than that. He said, no, that's not it. It's not what they're doing. It's not that stuff. It's the heart stuff. Unless your righteousness is better than that. In other words, unless your righteousness doesn't get to your heart and actually do something inside of you and transform you and make you into the image of Christ and make you into that which I've created you to be and not some religious do-gooder and... How do I say it? Don't do badder. Right? Don't do bad things and do good things only. Unless your righteousness exceeds that, you don't even get in. He had their attention. Doesn't that have your attention? I, I mean, we—it's hard for us at the salt mine, especially to to even picture that type of a person that is so religiously self righteous that they look down on others and present themselves as being the only way to even get, living like them is the only way to get close to God. But for us to understand what Jesus is talking about, we're going to get deeper because it really goes farther, and I, uh, it's going to get to the end when I talk about the being like a child. And, and that's where I want to go to next because how do we get in? He's talking about how all these ways we can't, you know, that are keep us out. Well, we want to get in, right? Anybody want in? Want to enter the kingdom? I do. Yeah. I don't want to be one of those, those that are saying, nope, can't get in, can't get in, don't know you. I want to be the one that says, aha, I want to be with that crowd, and I want you to be with me in that crowd. Amen? In the In the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts out with these things called the Beatitudes, and he starts out with this one. He says, God blesses those, and it's Matthew 5, 3. Thank you. Did you pull it up? It disappeared. Up, back, there, up. Uh, uh, uh. There it is. Nope. 5-3, Matthew 5-3. Said God blesses those who are poor. He's not talking about financial poverty. Blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That's awesome. He's giving us some pictures now. He's giving us some, some guidelines. The poor in spirit, recognizing your need for Him. Spiritual poverty is not a, not a lowly thing that we just say, oh, I'm just as so low as me. I'm, you know, it's not this, this false humility junk that we like feel sorry for me, pity stuff. It's, it's where I realize and I understand and I see that I need Jesus. I need a Savior because I don't measure up. That's what He's talking about. Blessed are those who realize There's spiritual poverty that you don't measure up, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's only by the grace of Christ that we can even enter in. So that's the first step. It's that recognizing, that realizing that I need Jesus. Hello? That's the first step in. But that's such a good step. That's such a good step. And then in John 3, 5, and in this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, and he says to him this, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and born of spirit. Now we must, now we must, and we recognize that our spiritual poverty, I need Jesus, now I must say, yes, Jesus, you're what I need. (laughs) It's so simple. And in saying, yes, Jesus, you're what I need, That's called the born again experience where now my life was dead and now it's alive. Yes, Jesus, you're what I need. You're the answer. You're the Savior. You, Jesus, are given to man by God as a solution for all my sin, all of it, and the sin of the world. You are what we need. And that, 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 if you will, I like to call it the RSVP to his invitation into his kingdom by saying yes, is a born-again experience. And he says you will not enter unless you have that experience, unless you are born of spirit and water. Amen? That's what we believe. We, it's not just because we believe it, because it's our church belief. It's because it's what Jesus said. It's what Jesus said. Again, do you see the need to seeing what Jesus said as the way, the truth, and the life? It's the, when Jesus said it, if you doubt it and question it, then you won't receive it. Jesus said it, and I receive it. So here we go. This is actually what the message is about. Now I can start preaching. Oh, you think I was just more? I think, no. <laughs> She's Marilyn's like, oh my gosh, it's one of those long ones. That's okay. I did the same thing. So <laughs> as I read, like, that, you know what Hunter does every, every week? He counts my pages. He says, E dog. Four pages? Really? Like, it's all right, bro. It's all right. Like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go teach and the kids. I like, okay. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13, it says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus. Well, just so you know, my pages, I got it, the print is pretty large. So, so it's not like really big page, you know, it's like, eh. it's so I don't have to put on glasses while I'm preaching. So, the, Mark chapter 10, let's go back. One day some parents, they brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. I love this. I love this. But... But the disciples, and this is, the, this is Mark's account, and I love that Mark's account kind of gives us this depiction of what, how Jesus sometimes dealt with his disciples. But the disciples, they scolded the parents for bothering him. And when Jesus saw that what was happening, he became angry with his disciples. I mean, he got upset with them. Hello? Jesus got upset with his disciples. Why? Why? Because he was, because he was these, well, they were keeping the children from him. He was angry with his disciples and he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. In fact, I'll even take it a step further. I tell you a truth, the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. As we were worshiping the Lord this morning, I Again, just forgive me but but I got this really awesome picture of how Jesus just blesses children, how the Father just grabs children into his arms and blesses them, and then I felt I was reminded this is, this whole thing happened in the midst of worship, as I was actually singing as as I was engaging in it, and, and, and then I tried to, to understand or feel or sense or relate to what that was like, and I couldn't, I had no point of reference of having a father that blessed me, took me in his arms, and gave me a hug, and told me he loved me. I had no point of reference here on this earth. And then God, just by his mercy, he showed me, said, but I've done it. And I still do it. I take you into my arms. And I bless you as my child. And I love this because I love that this is such a real thing happening not just in the Bible, but it's happening in our midst, in our world on a regular basis. And it's what we need most. We need a touch from the Father. We need the, the corralling. The, 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 if I, could, it, I wish that we could just actually, like I said, I was trying to find the point of reference in my mind, somewhere in my memory. And I couldn't find it because it didn't exist but I knew that this was a reality of, of how God reached in, reached into my life. In fact, it was the moment that I gave my life to Jesus, was the moment that a preacher said, "You need a hug like a hug from a father." And I went running, like, "I would need that. And I need you, Jesus. And see, this is what we need to be and we need to offer and we need to bring and we need to continuously pray and be about is this this offering of love to our children but even to 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 each other and so much so that it's even that we receive it for ourselves we receive the hug from god to just love us right where we're at right where we're at That's why uh, this this place in scripture that I love so dearly, it's it's one of those dear places of the Bible that I just like, It, it melts me. My heart melts. It's a place that Jesus took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. I love to bless people. I was super encouraged this week I was out in Lincoln Hills doing a pickup for some stuff. That very wealthy woman. She lived in one of the really nicer homes of Lincoln Hills, and always has had nice stuff. And it's about the fourth or fifth time I've been to her house, and 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 something happened in the midst of this interaction that I and I'm just sharing this with you guys because it's it's something I believe that we should be about is uh took her stuff, loaded her stuff, handed her a receipt and said thank you and and I was by myself and and the Lord and I I said it and I said it very it's just I say it genuinely every time and I said bless you, blessings on you. And she she turned, and she didn't let me just go away. She said, you know, it's not the first time you've done that. I said, and I love that you do that. And She said, I, I received that, and I asked the Lord to bless you. I said, you do that every time. Every time you've come to my house, you've blessed me. And I said, I said you know, I." thank you for even receiving it, and I received the blessing back. So that I, so that I, I really mean this, it's not tongue in cheek, I don't just do it, I don't just say it, I actually mean it. And she goes, I, I know, I know, I know it because I, I feel it and I receive it. I think that that's something, if, if there's one thing I wanna go down doing is blessing people. I don't want to go down, but if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down blessing people. I think that's what Jesus did, bless people. I'll try to finish up. Page and a half left. What then is the kingdom of heaven and how do we get in? Simple question. The Bible, the Gospels, the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, refers to the rule and reign of God in our lives now here on earth. It's about God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. All the kingdom parables with its imagery, its terminology in the Gospels and the scriptures is not just about leaving earth and going to heaven when we die, but it's about heaven coming down to earth while we live. So seeing the kingdom of heaven is not just about life after death, but about living and experiencing God's life in this life, His will here and now. And then even taking it into eternity. This is what Jesus had in mind, I believe, when He teaches about becoming like a child. It's experiencing the life of God in this life requires absolute humility like a little child. So how does that look? In what way? Not by by being childish, you know, by staying simple or ignorant. For God God has given us scripture, he's given us each other, he's given us the body of Christ, he's given us... And he's called us to be disciples. A disciple is a learner. Someone that's learning and growing. That we may learn and grow and mature. And even have, be able to give answers and reasons for the hope that lies within us. So it's, it's a deeper walk with God. This child likeness. It's becoming like a little child. It means, I believe this, there's some things, there's just really three points, and I think that some of us might have some others, and I think that's awesome. Some childlike traits. Maintaining the wonderful and beautiful characteristics and the qualities of children that life in this sinful world wants to beat out of us. I got three traits If you come up with others, please feel free to speak and share it. Child likeness is trusting. Trusting. Trusting in the Father. Trusting in the truth that God gives and brings to us. A child will trust their Father. A child will trust anything you tell them. So be careful what you say around them. But he's telling us this, that this is what a child like that I'm actually saying you to enter in, you must trust me. Like what I said earlier about scripture, trust that these are my words and these words are true and the truth. To enter in, we must trust that the words that Jesus speaks are the truth. Not just a truth to consider to say, well, that's nice and that's really cute. I, I think those are good things that he said. But it's actually the truth. So we must trust in the truth, which actually does this. It does something amazing. It actually frees us to rest completely in him and not worry or be anxious about anything. Hello? That's awesome. So being like a child is trusting. I love this. And I think this thing, it goes to deep levels. It goes to er- every area and, and different levels in our life and around our life is do we trust God? If he's fully capable that we believe to save our soul, don't you think he's capable of taking care of this, even the smallest issues of this life and even the big ones? The big ones too. He can handle the big ones and the little ones. Let's trust him to take care of them and not be anxious or worry about anything, but instead completely trust him. Amen? Children are forgiving. Did you notice that about children? Children are completely and fully forgiving. I love that. I love that. In fact, so much so that in this, in this freely and fully forgiving child likeness that he's saying us to live, it actually frees us to know that we are fully and freely forgiven ourselves. Did you hear that? I believe that forgiving others and being forgiven are so closely related in fact, I think that in, in the midst of us being forgiving is the place that we find ourselves really realizing that we are forgiven. And a lot of us want to switch it around. I want to say, well, I, once I know I'm forgiven, then I'll forgive. It's like, no, he, Jesus didn't teach it like that. He said, receive my forgiveness and go and forgive, and then you'll continuously walk in in my forgiveness so much so that you will know that you're forgiven. In fact, if you forget that you are forgiven and go and hold grudges against others, my forgiveness that I just gave you, I will take it back. Ah, Why does Jesus got to just be so downright right? He's so narrow-minded, isn't he? He's completely freeing. He knows what we need to do to walk in freedom. He knows you. He knows me. He forgives you, and he forgives me. And as a child, child, a child-likeness freely forgives, and forgives fully. I don't have to bring up incidences, but we all know this. Is when we offend and we hurt a child, they don't hold it against us. Have you ever I encourage you as a father, as, a, as, a, as an uncle, as a, a grandfather, as a mother, whatever it is, as an authority figure in somebody's life, just ask for forgiveness. And you'll find yourself like, the, a, a, to a child, I don't know how many times I have used my screw ups to just ask my children to forgive me. I love to do it because it simply is the most simple and easiest thing to do. And it, it, and, it, and it displays the grace of God right in their lives. The humility to say, no, I, I am a man and I messed up and I'm asking you to forgive me. It's like, well, of course, dad, I forgive you. There's never even a question, never even a doubt, never even, the, it's not even a consideration other than yes. Being childlike is completely forgiving. Fully forgiving. Fully forgiving. Do I need to talk about what half forgiveness looks like? It's not forgiveness at all. No. Well, I'll forgive them as soon as they, you know, as soon as they come to me and I'm sorry it was all my fault. As soon as they do that, then I'll forgive them. That's not forgiveness. That's manipulation. And it's not of the childlike, childlikeness that Jesus is saying we do live for us to live by. This is great too. Children are... You ever, you ever... They're so loving. In fact, they're loving and trusting and forgiving. Have you ever... Have you noticed that in this world we live in, and it breaks my heart. It really does. It makes me so sad that we've got to teach our children. You know, the whole stranger danger thing. And, you know, the whole thing is like, oh, you got to look out around every corner because there's a a kid snatcher that's going to get you. And I'm not saying that that's not real and we need to do that, but I'm just saying... They come into this world completely trusting, completely forgiving, and all loving, and then we train them to doubt, to question everything, to be skeptical about that person that is a different color, a different race, or looks funny, or doesn't look like us. And to hold on to all that you make because you never know if you're going to get more. We've taught this and we, 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 the adults who are supposed to be like children as Jesus called us to be, teach our children to be like adults. And we should be learning from our children. Amen. I'm sorry, I did not intend it to go that way Rough. That was really, really. I I, I apologize from myself, but I ask you to hear it from the Lord. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to use our children to teach us to be like Christ. Have you ever had a conversation about the afterlife with somebody that's five and under? I'm thinking about five and under is about the age. It's the most dynamic, fantastic, overwhelming, revelatory conversations that you'll ever have, is have a a conversation with the child about the afterlife, somebody with five and under. No inhibitions. They speak it as it is, and they speak more truthful than I think a lot of us. Learn from our children. Or do as Jesus said. Unless you become like a child, you will not enter in. So may we be like a child. May we be like a child and simply give up running and ruining our own life. And humbly surrender. And humbly surrender completely over to God, who is a really, really good good father amen let's worship the lord let's pray father god we just thank you for your love for us thank you in the midst of so much chaos confusion pain and anguish and all that we are dealing with in this world that you, your word remains true your love for us is not swayed it's not it's not broken your love for us cannot cannot be removed For us and from us, but instead we tap into and we dive into your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness. And we ask you, Jesus, to continue to grow us, grow us in you, and make us like children, to trust you, to walk in forgiveness, and completely walk in the love of God, displaying it and living it and giving it to others. In Jesus' name, by your spirit, do this. Innocent-